Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we get into the stories, I wanted to give a trigger warning for story number three. It's relating around the topic of sexual abuse. So, if you want to avoid those kind of stories, now you know. Also, story number one actually contains a news article in the description if you want to check that out. And as always, if you have your own story that you want to submit, you can do that at southerncannibal.com. All that being said, let's get into the stories. I want to start off by saying that I'm very open about my past, and I have an amazing support network. I chose to share my story on YouTube to help out others get through similar situations. Nobody should have to feel like they're going through trauma alone. The first eight years of my life are almost completely blocked off by the events of one night. Even 20 years later, I still remember what happened like it was yesterday. My father was a very angry man who had verbally abused my mom, older sister, and myself, and occasionally becoming physical with us. One day I was sitting in his chair while watching cartoons, and he grabbed a wooden spoon from the kitchen, and he hit me across the head with it, and the spoon broke. He had actually hit me that hard. He came from a very twisted and evil family, my mom was the complete opposite. I don't remember much of her, but I remember feeling an overwhelming sense of safety and love. During this time, we lived in a country town in Australia on the outskirts of the town. In early 2002, three days after I turned eight, I had a nightmare during the night. I woke up and I'd walk through the house to my parents' room. I woke up my mom and I told her that I had a nightmare. We then went into the living room and she made the couch for me. We fell asleep almost right away. I don't know what time it was, but I'd woke up to the sound of banging, like someone was hammering a nail into the next room. I then felt a splash of something hit my cheek. I then wiped it away as I was waking up. To my horror, I then saw my father standing over my mom, wielding a bloody hammer, and I then looked to where my mom was laying. There was a bloodied mess from where her head was on the pillow, and this will be forever etched into my mind. I froze and I tried to scream, but I made no sound. I then looked at my hand and I saw that it was blood that hit my face. Then my father covered my mom's head with a pillow to try and hide what he did. I then ran to my sister's room that was across the house. When I got to her room, I tried to tell her what happened, but again, I made no sound. My mind was going a million miles an hour at this point. I remember hearing what I wanted to say in my head, and I was really confused why my sister wasn't panicking. She followed me to where our parents were. My father dropped the hammer and was now calling the police on himself when we ran into the room. My sister was screaming at the top of her lungs when she saw my mom laying there. We could still hear my mom trying to breathe, and I will always remember that sound. My father called the police three times to tell them what he did and give them the directions to our house. He also ushered us out of the room to the other side of the house, away from our mom. He caused all this suffering because my mom said she wanted to take both my sister and I and then get away from him. My mom did get us away from him. Unfortunately, however, she paid the ultimate price to do so. He served 12 years in prison for what he did. From the letters he sent us, it was hell for him. One incident that stands out to me was he had used the prison swimming pool when he shouldn't have. Some high-profile criminal was using it, 
and when he returned to his cell, his bed was on fire. Hearing that, part of me really wished he was in bed when it went up in flames. During late 2011, I was diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and near the mid of 2012, I beat it. Near the end of his prison sentence, my father developed skin cancer, and he got most of it removed. Well, a few years later, it came back and there was a really high chance that he wouldn't survive it. He died in 2014 in the presence of his twisted family. When I found this out, I had felt a huge weight lift right off of me, and I thought it was almost poetic that I beat cancer, but he didn't. Due to the event happening so close to my birthday, I've always really hated celebrating it. I used to really pretend enjoying it when family and friends decided to do something for me during the first few years after this all happened. But later on, I just chose not to do anything. All of my friends and family have always been really supportive over the years, and I've been in therapy for years and dealing with anxiety, depression, and PTSD for the past 10 years. I'm unable to work or have a love life due to very low self-esteem. I was lucky that I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the age of 13 because it hasn't only been a great way to let out my anger and frustration in a controlled environment, but also, my coaches have all taught me how to remain calm when I'm not on the mat. To my cold-blooded father that stole my mother from me, I honestly hope that you're in the deepest, darkest pit in hell. My name is Josh, and I'm from Tucson, Arizona. And when this took place, it was around 2015 when the opioid crisis outbreak was at a peak, with soaring numbers and junkies everywhere in my city. It started off as any normal day at my apartment. I remember I was leaving the apartment, telling my mom I was going to play with friends, and I was all alone. I left the apartment and explored the entire complex. Now, near my apartment, there was a wash where we would often slide down the concrete walls of. The wash went into this little bridge. There were four tunnels in this bridge. All of them had trash and sand down there. I would often play down there and would never suspect anything. But on this day, I was unsupervised, all alone going down there to play. In the wash, half of it was concrete and half of it was grass. I would often go to the grass to play at my hideout, but I would have to use the concrete to get down there. So on this day, I slid down the concrete and I looked down at the tunnel on the right. I didn't see anything, but I could have sworn that I thought I heard something when I was playing around. I often used weapons in my younger years, so I had a baton on me and a giant jackknife for protection. I mean, this thing was like half a foot long. I turned around to see what I had just heard and as I look into the second tunnel on the right, I see a man. I then go in there to see if he's alive or not, and I see needles all over the tunnel of the wash. As I start walking inside there, the man begins to rise up from the darkness, and he starts running to me while screaming. I ran him to the concrete walls as fast as I could and took off, wielding my jackknife in my hand. I can confidently say that if I wasn't a child that grew up with weapons, I probably would have been killed or attacked that day by this deranged man, who I can only assume was an addict who was very obviously injecting himself with substances. I can definitely say without a doubt, if I didn't have any weapons on me or I didn't notice the man, 
He could have gotten up out of the chair under the tunnels and out of nowhere chased me down and got me. But thank God I was more experienced with the bad area since we'd been living there for over six years by that point. Moral of the story, be alert and vigilant and always be aware of your surroundings. I need to get this out because I've kept it to myself for a really long time and because I want to stress how important it is to listen to your instincts. I'm a female and I was 10 years old at the time this incident took place. My parents were very religious when I was growing up. I didn't have much contact with the outside world other than church or when we went to the store for groceries. I guess you could say I was a sheltered child. I'm only mentioning this part so that you'll understand that up until the occurrence I'm about to explain, I had never truly witnessed some of the evils of this world. My parents and I went to a huge Christmas party that my grandparents held every year. Their house was a spacious two-story Victorian and would always be full of other family members, along with the many friends my grandparents invited. My grandmother would go all out with decorations, and every room had a different Christmassy theme to it. I was pretty introverted, so to amuse myself, I was walking around quietly, observing the decor, when Uncle Andy came up behind me. Well, my, 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 look who we have here, he declared loudly, which startled me and had caused me to jump slightly. Turning to face him, I chuckled awkwardly and I gave him a polite greeting. He immediately leered at me with the same sheepish smile he always did. For some context, he was not my immediate uncle. Everyone just called him Uncle Andy. However, he was related to my grandfather in some way. The best description I can give is that he was a tall man with salt and pepper hair, who looking back, reminded me a lot of Jeff Goldblum. But I digress. Uncle Andy began asking me the usual questions. How was school going? What did I want for Christmas? Etc. It was when he suddenly reached out and grabbed a piece of my blonde hair that I froze momentarily. Wow, such long, beautiful hair. He amused, as then brought the strands to his nostrils and gave them a vigorous sniff. Uh, thanks, I muttered as I quickly took a step back. Alarm bells were ringing in my head. Nothing like this had happened to me before, but I knew it was wrong. Adults are not to touch children in this manner. I forced a weak smile as I then explained that I needed to help my mom with something. Uncle Andy, who was blocking my path at the time, never once dropped a smirk as he then said, Very well, but not until you've given me a proper handshake, young lady. I swallowed hard and I'm sure my eyes widened in response. Even so, I figured it was the only option to get him to move. Fine. I replied as I held out my hand. He locked my hand tightly with his and he gave it a shake. I began to tug away but not before he stroked the back of my hand with his thumb all while maintaining really strong eye contact with me. He finally let go and stated, see you around. I darted past him frantically looking everywhere for my mom. After finding her in the kitchen I told her that I needed to tell her something important but she was in the middle of cooking three different things at once. Tons of the other relatives littered the small space and were talking loudly, so it was hard for her to hear what I was saying. She instructed me to go find my dad 
and I went to do just that. As I exited the kitchen, to my horror, there was Uncle Andy again in the hallway. A perverse grin was still plastered on his face. I bolted into the dining room, which to my relief is right where my dad and grandpa were at the table. I scooted onto the bench next to my dad for safety. They were having a conversation, and I knew better to interrupt, but I was just happy to be safe for the moment. Throughout the rest of the evening, I made sure to never leave my mom or dad's side. Even still, no matter where I went, Uncle Andy's sight bore right into me. His gaze was predatory. I felt dirty, vulnerable, and like his targeted prey. After that night, every year, I would always make up a new excuse why I didn't feel like going to Christmas parties. Luckily, the few times I couldn't get out of it, Uncle Andy and his family didn't show up. Fast forward to roughly 15 years later, I was chatting with my half-sister on the phone, who always lived in the same town as my grandparents. She opened up to me about the abuse she had gone through in her childhood at the hand of her stepfather. Somehow that led to me telling her all about my experience with Uncle Andy. She gasped and went quiet for a moment, before then telling me that Uncle Andy was arrested earlier that year for lewd child abuse. Apparently, he had been abusing his own children for years, but had kept them quiet about it with manipulation tactics. It wasn't until he was caught in the act of sexually abusing his grandchild that his perverted and sick ways finally came to light. My throat felt like it dropped into my stomach. I was floored to say the least. This meant that my intuition had been right. Something was majorly off with Uncle Andy. Even as a sheltered child, I could sense it despite having never been told in depth what sexual abuse was back then. I shared this story to warn you all. If you ever find yourself in a situation where your gun instinct is on high alert, please listen to it. If something just feels off about someone, chances are it's true. Be safe, and don't take the risk of playing it off as nothing. I know that this story may not seem that frightening to some, but I'm thankful every day that I listened to that inner voice that protected me. If I hadn't, I may have very well been one of Uncle Andy's victims if he had ever had the chance to get me alone long enough. Before I start telling this story, I have to say that this happened between three and a half years, when I was between the ages of 15 and 18. I'm currently 29. All people in this story have their names changed for privacy reasons. I grew up in a pretty good sized town. The town was about 45 minutes to an hour from the second biggest city in the state, which is known for three rivers and many bridges. I have two older brothers, which means I'm obviously the youngest of three boys. Our mother was the general manager at my grandpa's golf course, and our father was in the state police. ALT at the time of everything happening. Our cop dad was really hard on us when needed, but we all three learned to always be respectful no matter what. I will say that due to a very dark history, I've never had a close relationship at all with my brothers or parents. Even with all that, I'll admit that this made my dad and I slightly a little more close, even if it was for very short time periods, and that we only had one thing in common that would protect the ones we love at all costs, even if it meant our lives. When I was 15, I went to the downtown area getting some food and ice cream with friends 
at a place about a half a mile away from the high school football stadium. Being that we were only 15 years old, going into our 10th grade year of high school and almost 16, we all rode our bikes to meet up. My hometown was split up into six wards. The restaurant was one to two miles away from home and close to the town's public pool and high school football stadium that's in downtown. When we came back outside to leave to do something else, I realized that my bike was now missing. As soon as the group and I checked the immediate area, I had called my dad, knowing he was home from work, and he then flew down to where I was. We all kind of figured he'd be pissed at us, which he wasn't at all. All of my friends got on their bikes to go off in different directions toward their own homes to go look for the bike. As my dad and I were driving towards the part of the town we lived in, we saw a group of three walking down a side street towards the street we were on. Two males and one female. It was about a mile and a half away from the restaurant. The group was pushing my bike as they walked, causing me to snap to attention and say loudly, Hey, I think they have my bike. My dad stopped immediately and put the car in park in the street. We jumped out and I laughed on the inside, seeing my dad go from usual dad to cop dad. Well, he had the girl and one guy stand at the wall with their faces touching it, and he then slammed the guy with the bike to the ground. I grabbed the bike and I put it in the bed of the truck. Since it was only two of us against three, my dad then told me, get in the truck so they don't see your face. Nah, fuck that, I said. And it wasn't until years later that I came to regret that. The cops then came and arrested all three of them. Fast forward to two and a half years later. I was 18 years old and I was home from my freshman year of college. I was jogging at around 6pm one night on the sidewalk next to the road when a car then flew past me. It then sat at the stop sign until I passed them. Luckily, I was close to home and I had memorized the car's details as much as I could. The vehicle drove and it went a little slower, and I then walked into the house when they were passing. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the situation, other than someone driving fast and slowing down, upon realizing someone was jogging. Fast forward one week later, and I had just finished up another jog. I walked into the house through the front door which leads into the kitchen. The door has a really big window that leads out to the driveway, then to the front yard, and the street and stop sign. As soon as I walked to the sink by the window to splash some cold water on my face, I heard a loud boom from outside, sounding like an M80 exploding, then a second of silence, and then three loud booms in quick succession, which thanks to being a hunter, I knew it was gunfire. I dropped down and crawled to the floor, I then grabbed the baseball bat that my brothers and I used before I then ran out the door, even though I knew that a bat had a zero chance of winning against a firearm, but I was hoping that would surprise them. When I got outside, they were driving away. It was then that I realized that it was the same vehicle from a week earlier that had sat at the stop sign when I was out jogging. Thankfully, no one was home at the time, since who knows where they'd be standing or what would happen. After the police came, I had given my statement, and we waited. Now, it was a big town, but at the same time, it was also small enough that a lot of people knew everyone. The town's police and my brothers had all joked with me, asking things like, What was it like being a hero when no one's around? 
or they'd ask if I was crazy due to me running outside towards gunfire without a gun. At the time, I couldn't answer those questions, but I realized later that one thing people really hate or are scared of are crazy people. Well, about two or three days had passed when we received a call from the cops saying they caught the guy who had shot at the house. As it turns out, it was the same guy who stole my bike two and a half years earlier. After finding them out, my dad and I just looked at each other without saying anything. We didn't tell my mom about it being the same guy. The guy had received 10 years for attempted murder with a weapon, as well as attempted assault. But due to not a single person being injured in any way, no assault charges of any kind were charged towards him. So we went on with our lives and I became an EMT during college, working on the weekends. And I then finished school. When I was 26 years old, I had stopped by the parents' house when I was in the area. I walked into the kitchen, and on the kitchen table was the town's newspaper, which the front page then read something along the lines of, Local woman missing. Vehicle found abandoned and burned. I almost immediately ripped the kitchen table off the frame with rage. The article said that the missing woman's boyfriend for some period of time was the same guy who stole my bike and shot at my parents' house with me in the front window. He wasn't arrested or charged with any kind of crime related to the missing woman at the time. I left and went back to my apartment an hour away, and I always made sure that I was carrying a pistol. After working through all the rage and somewhat paranoid thoughts of possibly seeing him again, I immediately made sure that my brothers didn't show up for any reason, and especially with my nieces and nephews. My parents left their house for a week to stay at my grandpa's house, which was 40 minutes away from their home. Life went on from there. I still work as an EMT in the city that I now call home. The guy who shot at my house is currently in prison, not on charges related to the murder of the woman, but he's still in prison nonetheless. And if you ask me, he's exactly where he belongs. <laughs> 